Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we're also going to be talking about the church. Because the church and the kingdom of God are not exactly the same thing. Now, the church is certainly a part of the kingdom of the God. The congregations of the people are certainly a part of the kingdom of God. But we throw these words around like church and religion and kingdom of God and Jesus and Christ. And we don't always know what the meaning of it is. And I did a show this morning, two-hour show, and I ended up talking about... Dave Dubenmeyer, uh, Coach Dave, they call him. And uh, I've liked him over the years. I've read a lot of his articles. He posts on newsandviews.com. I posted on there for a long time. I could post on there now, but I am so busy because the sheep keep wandering around and can't seem to stay together. <laughs> so it makes more work for the shepherd when the sheep don't do their job. And the sheep are the people, the congregation. Equating that, I mean, people also equate sheep to mindless sheep who wander around and follow, you know, and walk over cliffs and all that kind of stuff. But for tens of thousands of years, the, I mean, even the word pastor, shepherd, good shepherd, uh, Jesus was the good shepherd, and, uh, Leaves the 99 to find the lost sheep and, and all that. They're equating. It's a metaphor. Just don't take it too far. Uh, the congregation is not the livestock of the pastor. The pastor works for Christ and the livestock is supposed to belong to Christ. In other words, the sheep belong to Christ. But to be one of Christ's sheep, you have to hear his voice. In other words, hear what he's saying. My sheep hear my voice. That's what he says. Okay. Well, people read the Bible. They read what Jesus says, but they don't do what Jesus says. And so, you know, I'd scratch my head and say, do you even hear what he told you to do? Because you're not doing it. If you were doing it, things would not be happening the way they're happening now. But, of course, he knew you weren't going to be doing it. He said, many would come in my name, but I know them not. They're going to be workers of iniquity, and they're going to, uh, you know, when I need help or my my little ones need help, you know, that my appointed need help, they're not going to help them. They're, oh, they're going to make excuses. Ah, i got to go do this. i got to go bury this guy. i got to go vote. i got to go... Go to do all these other things so I can't come and do what God wants me to do, which is not forsake the gathering together, gathering together in the way of Christ. And so, anyway, we did two hours on an article that he wrote, uh, just, uh, well, it came out with news views. I, I read it about, I don't know, three o'clock this morning, four o'clock this morning. And I go like, whoa, 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 what the heck? Yay, but uh, for the lack of knowledge, that that's all I got to say. I think the guy's heart is in the right place. Dave's heart's in the right place. I think he's a courageous guy, outspoken guy. I think there's a lot of salt there that still has flavor. 
But he has some real confusions about these simple little words like church and and state and and maybe even religion. It doesn't come out really in the article. But uh, anyway, we went through it uh, step by step. And I'm not going to necessarily go through the whole thing again. But I said I would talk about the modern church because the modern church and the early church are not the same animals. Now, again, we say the word church comes from a Greek word that is ekklesia. Ekklesia means called out. Who was called out? I'll wait for you to come up with an answer. Did you figure out who was called out? Who was to be in the world but not of the world? That's the called out. Who was the church in the wilderness? They have that phrase there in the New Testament, the church in the wilderness. Who was that? Was that Israel? Was the church in the wilderness? No. <laughs> Israel wasn't the church in the wilderness. The Levites were the church in the wilderness. They were the called out. Because remember, when everybody set up the golden calf, and Moses, they heard this, I was trying to think of what they said, this commotion they heard in the uh, in, in the camp. And it, like something was going on, you know. I mean, it all depends on if you're actually reading the Bible or watching Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Moses. <laughs> they heard this commotion going down there, and of course they get down and they've they've built the walled-in camp, you know, this this camp where they somehow or other walled everybody in, kind of put them into something. You even the word city in in Hebrew means a terror. Uh, the city-state. I mean, who started the first city-state? Uh, was that God who started the first city-state? Uh, was it uh, Abel who started the first city-state? No, Cain. Yeah, right. Cain started the first city-state. And what the city-state was, was a way in which to bind the people together to take care of the needs of society. And there are needs in society. People get sick. People get injured. Uh, fathers, mothers die. There's orphans. There's widows. In those days, you know, a widow had a hard time of it. If if she was uh, had kids and her husband died, it might mean death for her, or or at least for her kids. And so they needed they needed a, a husband. They needed a community to help them out when bad things happen. And Cain had a way to do that. And people joined with Cain because they liked his way. And Abraham had a way to do that. And some people joined with Abraham because they liked his way. And a lot of people joined with Moses. Not only Israelites, but Egyptians followed Moses. Hittites evidently joined with Moses. Because they liked his way. And, of course, Christianity originally was called the way. <laughs> That's what it was called, the way. And it was the same way that Moses was doing things. Now, you wouldn't necessarily know that because most modern Christians have a view of Israel that came down to them through the Pharisees who got it wrong. Pharisees got it wrong. I mean... You know, there's lots of different Pharisees. I'm sure some of the Pharisees were not far from the kingdom. And Jesus even says that, not far from the kingdom. 
But others, because when they he asked one Pharisee, you know, what what is the law? What is the major points of the law? Love God, love thy neighbor as thyself. You're not far from the kingdom if you got that. I think Dave Dubemeyer has that, and uh, so I'm even though I'm going to be very critical of the article and was this morning in greater detail. I I don't want to be critical of Dave. I think that it's absolutely reasonable that he would have some of these notions, some of the uses, some of these vocabularies incorrectly, because so many churches use them incorrectly. So, but those churches are not Christ's church. They are not His church. They may say they love Jesus, but Jesus says not those who say, but those who do. Are the modern churches doing what Jesus said? to do. Actually, they're not. And that's not very difficult to prove, that they are not doing what Jesus said. As a matter of fact, they're doing the opposite of what he said. And what's happening to them is exactly what Paul said would happen, Peter said would happen, even Jesus said would happen. And so, that's where they're at. They're at the place you would be if you didn't actually follow the way. Follow the way of Christ. Did not actually do what Christ said. Obey Christ. Didn't actually obey Christ. I mean, one of the things they say in Proverbs, slothful shall be under tribute. Are you slothful in the ways of God? Just to bring some people up to speed who didn't hear the article, he, he, he admittedly said that America is not the America that Grandpa lived in and and my grandpa lived a long time ago. Like I said, he was a horse and buggy doctor. So he was back there a ways. I'm a grandpa, great-grandpa myself. I think Dave's probably a great-grandpa by himself. <laughs> so, yeah, things have changed. And they didn't all change because the government changed. A lot of it changed because the relationship of the people changed with the government. That's how you get people really in bondage. You know, you can pass laws. They may not, might, may not be constitutional. They may not be uh, uh, lawfully passed. They may not have really had a majority vote. Maybe somebody fudged on the voting. All that could happen, but that you're not in bondage. You know, in the book Covenants of the Gods, I point out that, you know, if a pirate captures you, and the first chance you get to escape, you can become free again. But there are ways in which you can capture yourself and go into bondage. That's what we did in the bondage of Egypt. People ran out of food. They ran out of food because they didn't know a famine was coming. They didn't know a famine was coming because they sold their brother into bondage. (laughs) And uh, so their, their brother ended up knowing that the famine was coming. And he told the Pharaoh, who wasn't the Pharaoh over all the people, the people in Egypt... Where in Egypt, he was wealthy and he may have been prominent in government, but the government didn't own the labor of the people. It was a voluntary government in Egypt. But after the famine, everybody went in, this is what the Bible tells us, everybody went into this bondage of Egypt. And and we call it slavery. You know, in the movie Moses, you know, are men the property of the state or are they free souls under God? That's the question. Before the famine, 
The people in Egypt were not the property of the Pharaoh. Their labor was their own. There was no income tax. Didn't exist. They had a government, but how exactly it operated wasn't the way it operated after the the, the uh, famine. And so, what what changed? People pledged one fifth of their labor to the government. The government now owned one fifth of their labor. So, one fifth of their working year. Whatever they produced had to go to the government. That was the bondage of Egypt. Moses led the people out of that kind of bondage. So he led them out of income tax. <laughs> so you know, I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about income tax. I'm just saying what it is. It's a system where a portion of your labor belongs to the state. That didn't exist back in nineteen oh eight when people were meeting to change the way in which Americans viewed history, you have to read another one of our articles on that, you know, schools as tools, but it that didn't exist. There was no income. Even when they tried to pass corporate excise tax, you know, kind of income tax on corporations, they, they, they couldn't get away with it originally. Eventually, they would be, there is a way in which you can create a corporate excise tax. But income tax... As an excise tax on labor, well, you have an inalienable right to your labor. How did you waive that right? They had to offer you something. Now, there wasn't quite the famine that there was back in the days of Joseph and, and the Pharaoh and the Israelites going into bondage in Egypt. But there was a depression and a lot of people said, okay, sign up for this program and we will guarantee you free bread if there is no bread that you can get. If you, you know, fall on unemployment and get sick, can't find a job, whatever, we will take care of you, but you have to sign this agreement. You have to sign up. And of course they did. Everybody did. A lot now there were a lot of preachers against it. There were some churches that were against it and and we talk about this in, in some of the books that we publish free online. And we, we don't we don't make this stuff up. You know, we got it straight from the horse's mouth, straight from the guy who devised the Social Security plan. He explains how there was this opposition, that it was sold as if it was insurance, but no legislation like it ever existed before in the United States. Not existed before, but not in the United States. Actually, Australia was already doing this back in the 20s. If, if you study all the history, we can show you where all this is, and we've explained it before, but I'm not going to go into all the detail, because we're going to actually talk about the church. But the point was, God said we were never to go back to Egypt again. He's not talking about visiting the pyramids and seeing the Sphinx. That's not what he's talking about when he says don't go back to Egypt. He's going back to this relationship where you don't own your labor, and somebody else does which we would normally call slavery or servitude. We can't really call it involuntary servitude because when you you guys, you all read the Social Security Act, right? You all read the fine print, didn't you, when you signed up? Find out what you were signing up for and what what you became responsible for. You, you of course, read that, didn't you? 
<laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Of course, you didn't read that. Somebody told you to jump through the hoop. You did. You're sheep. That's the way. That's the way sheep. You know. If, as a matter of fact, you want to get sheep to go through a gate, you know what a shepherd does? He puts his staff down on the ground, right at the gate. So it's laying flat on the ground, like it's going to stop them or something. They'll all jump over the staff because they think they're getting away with something. <laughs> and they'll be in the pen. That's all. You want them to get go down a chute? You stand in front of the chute. You don't push them down the chute. You push them down the chute, they ain't going. They're stubborn. But you stand in front of the chute and you make them think you don't want them to go that way. And that you allow them to think that it's their choice. And if you if you kind of move at them and back and move at them and back, before you know it, they will begin to think, I want to go down that chute. <laughs> and when they try to go, you pretend to stop them, make it a little bit difficult, and they'll just run down that chute. <laughs> well, we can't actually do that when we're calling you to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We want you to actually, we can't trick you into it. You actually have to do it. But the point is, it's not righteous to desire benefits by taking away from your neighbor. That's socialism. That's not, Christ didn't want you to do that. That That's called, it's going to shake you up. You can look it up in your in your Bible. A covetous practice. Peter says that will make you merchandise. She'll end up belonging to somebody because you desired benefits from men who call themselves benefactors, but all they do is take away from other people. You're abandoning what Christ said because Christ said uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that you weren't to be that way. But lo and behold, the modern church said it was okay. Like I said, there were churches that were saying it's not okay. But uh, one particular church sent somebody to sit down with uh, Eleanor. This is in the book by the guy who devised the plan. Sit down with Eleanor. They had a little discussion privately in a New York uh, penthouse. And when he came out, that priest came out. Oops, did I give something away? I can give you his name. But anyway, when he came out, a deal had been struck. There was no more opposition. Everybody's signing up without reading the fine print. <laughs> so anyway, including Dave's parents and grandparents. They all signed up. Which, you know, that was going to come because the church was already straying away from its responsibilities of pure religion. And we explained that this morning. Pure religion, unspotted by the world. Uh, what world? What world? The world that... His called out ministers are not to be a part of, not to be of the world. Not, you know, like I say, four or five different Greek words can be translated into world in the New Testament. Which one was that? That was the one that's constitutional order and system of government. You're supposed to be taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, not through force. And if you're using the government to take care of the needy of your society, you're using force. Because that's what the government uses. Because it exercises authority one over the other. And John the Baptist came along and said, no, we're not going to use force. If you have two coats, your neighbor doesn't have any coats, we're going to share. We're going to do the same with meats and the same with housing and the same with health care. 
That's the gospel. That's the good news. That we can do this by faith, hope, and charity. And the perfect law of liberty, as Paul calls it, and James calls it, and Jesus called it, or which is free will offerings. And, and not force. So, all these churches that Dave thought were churches are neither called out because they're not out. They're in the world and of the world. They are of the constitutional order and system of government. Like I said, that word world, that is what it says is the definition in your standard concordance. It doesn't say that it's the globe. It says it's the constitutional order or system of government. Now, they fudge around a little bit in a few of the concordances in the second and third definitions to try to make you think that it has something to do with the cosmos, the universe. But it doesn't. It didn't at that time. Nobody would have thought that. Carl Sagan hadn't come around yet. <laughs> they, they hadn't uh, translated the word cosmos, C-O-S, etc., into uh, supposedly coming from this word. This word had to do with people that were a part of a governmental institution under the authority of government. And you weren't to take care of one another by using men who exercise authority. You weren't to be like the governments of the Gentiles. Christ said this. Matthew, Mark, Luke. He said it in other ways in John. Paul says it. Uh, Peter says it. Because if you're desiring benefits at the expense of other, that's a covetous practice. And like Polybius says, it's going to turn you into perfect savages because you're going to institute the rule of force. And so now all of a sudden people are so worked up because the government's using force. That's what you hired it to do. To use force against your neighbor to take away from your neighbor so that you can enjoy the wages of unrighteousness. That's what the wages or the rewards in some translation of unrighteousness. That's what people like. Free school, free health care, free social security. Uh, all these programs that you get. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid. That's not what Christ wants you to be doing. That's not what the church is supposed to be doing. So again, back to the church. The church is the ecclesia of the called out ministers. Christ called out ministers, appointed to them a kingdom. They're not the kingdom. But they're responsible for certain duties within the kingdom. They also are restricted by some of the very clear statements of Jesus Christ, not always well translated and you know, you may say, well, he's trying to retranslate the Bible. No, I'm not. I'm fine. I use the King James all the time. But the reality is, if you want to really understand the English words in the King James, sometimes you have to look at the Greek. Because they'll take a word in the uh, Greek and they'll translate it ten different ways and they'll take five different words in the the Greek and translate them all the same way. You're going to miss something. If you don't do a little looking deeper than just reading the Bible, you, same way if you, you need to know the meaning of words back then, uh, you know, what's religion? What's religion 200 years ago? I mean, you, you think, oh, they're not going to let us meet in our church because of COVID. They're shutting down our church because they're not going to let us meet because of COVID. 
They're exercising authority over our religious practices. There's very little religion going on in the churches today. According to the definition 200 years ago when the Constitution was written, when the Constitution was written, religion was the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. I'm the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. What's your duty to your fellow man? Love him as much as you love yourself. What's your duty to God? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not righteous to force your neighbor to, to contribute to your welfare. That's socialism. So, the problem that the churches experience is not coming from government. It's coming from people who have abandoned the ways of church. And, and he goes on in his article when he's first talking about the church being married to the state and a partner with the state. No. The church is supposed to be separate. The called out are supposed to be separate from the state. Yeah, the people may be in bondage. Maybe they're back in the bondage of Egypt. They owe one-fifth of their labor to the government. Maybe they owe one-third of their labor to the government. Thirty percent. That would be thirty percent, not twenty percent. Maybe they owe fifty percent of their labor to the government. My dad, when he was an attorney, I asked him who he worked for. He said, until July 1st, I worked for the government. (laughs) After that, I worked for myself. Now, he didn't really have that thick a Texas accent, but I was raised in Texas. He was a lawyer in Texas, but he come from the north. But the reality was, is he knew he was in the bondage of Egypt. The difference between my dad and the rest of you guys is you don't want to admit that you're not free. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. I'm not saying rebel. I'm saying conform to Christ. Let's start doing what he said to do. So anyway, I put together a whole little examination of the modern church and modern Christians. And uh, you can find it at Preparing You and, and soon you'll be able to find it at His Holy Church because I'm going to take a lot of these articles that I put together at Preparing You. We have tons of articles on HisHolyChurch.org and uh, like I say, 500, 600 audios that you can listen to that go through different parts of the Bible, different parts of the epistles, and, and we go through line by line. And we're putting that on preparing you, at the whole Bible with little side panels for a study. And we're using the King James, but we, we put in there so that you can understand the context of what's being said. Now, we may not be 100% right about everything, and we're open to criticism. But there's a lot of footnotes in what we do to show you where we're getting this. We're not making it up. Well, it's it's facts, and if facts matter, then I can't I can't help you if you don't like what you read. But anyway, the New Testament Church was appointed by Jesus Christ. It wasn't appointed by the Pope. It wasn't appointed by Constantine. It was appointed by Jesus Christ. And what was it appointed? It was appointed a kingdom. It's my pleasure. He says, he said he was going to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees. He said that he was going to appoint it to his little flock. His little flock are those he called out to be separate from the world, put special restrictions on them that are very clear in the text when you want to read them. And, oh, actually, when you want to see them, because I can read them to you and they'll just go right over your head. But there's a reason for it. And it goes, the Old Testament verifies this. The New Testament verifies this. What the early church was doing verifies this. Now, 
Constantine's church didn't necessarily follow these things. Constantine said that the Christian church was now legal. Immediately they appointed a bishop who wanted to persecute everybody who said they were Christian and wasn't doing stuff his way. They, But the real church got by under less persecution than it was under during the, the period of time where there was persecution on and off in the Roman Empire against Christians. Now, some of that persecution was just private jealousy. Some of it was magistrates. Several of the emperors said, leave the Christians alone. They knew the Christians were holy. What do they mean by holy? Separate. Sanctified means separate. They were doing their own thing. They were practicing private religion. They were taking care of the widows and orphans through free will offerings. And according to Roman law, that means they didn't have to sacrifice at the government temples of Rome. I mean, what, what we're all, we, we have whole articles showing you what was going. This is when I was in the seminary more than half a century ago. Quite a bit more than half a century ago now. I was trying to figure out, what, what are they doing in these temples? And I was asking scholars, world famous scholars, what were they doing in the temples? <laughs> My voice was probably cracking then too. And they could not tell me. It's not satisfactorily. I knew the answer was hollow. Now I know what they were doing in the temples. And we tell you that preparing you if you look up temples. I mean the temple of Mineta. They coined money. The temple at Ephesus they coined money. The temple at Ephesus had the most secure vault in all the Mediterranean. Why? Because it's a bank. <laughs> That's right, it's a bank. It had a golden statue. You know what they call the golden statue? The reserve fund. Why did they do that? Because they didn't have vaults like we do. And you never knew if somebody was pilfering coins out. But if you put it all on a statue and you come in in the morning and there's an arm missing or a leg missing on the statue, you know somebody robbed the bank. That It's all practical. This is what the golden calf was. And we show you that. We show you that in the Hebrew. We show you that in the references of the Greek, what the money changers were. But anyway, back to this, you know. So, yeah, Pentecost, everyone who got the baptism of the apostles, who were professing Jesus as the Christ, what is the Christ? The anointed, the Messiah, the Messiah, the King. Everyone who got that baptism were cast out of the system of welfare run by the Pharisees. John 9.22 These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. The synagogue. Synagogues were groups of ten families. And we, we, we have... You know, I'll link to synagogues and show you why I say that. Because Israel is organized into the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Jesus commanded his apostles to make the people organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. It's right there in the biblical text. There wasn't going to be any daily ministration. There wasn't going to be any loaves and fishes until the people did that. You don't have to do that now. Not because Christ has withdrawn that command. It's because you're not following Christ anyway. 
Your daily ministration is through the men who exercise authority one over the other. Your priests are down at the social security office, down at the public school, down at the welfare office. All of which you have to show your social security number to show that you are a member of their system, a member of their world. To get those benefits that are provided by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You're not the church. You're the world. You can call yourself the church, but you're not the church established by Jesus Christ. You're the church of the wilderness. I mean, excuse me, the church of the world. That's what you guys are. Now, I'm not picking on you. I, this, this strong delusion was coming. We, we were told it was come. That many would be deceived. Even the very elect would be deceived. The problem is, now I come along and I say, here's your choice. Don't repent. Keep going the way you've been going, which is not the way that Christ said to go. Or repent and turn around and let's try to go back the way Christ said to go. Because if you're not occupying what Christ said to do. You're occupying what Christ said not to do. So, that's what the modern church is doing. Christ said to organize into the tens. And you know, if you go to our page on Modern Church at PreparingYou.com, all the links are there. They'll tell you where all these things are. And you can... Uh, you can go there and and see for yourself. If you have a question about baptism, we show you how baptism, what baptism was all about. See, Herod was baptizing people into the kingdom of heaven too. Did you know that? His vision of the kingdom of heaven was different. I mean, he had an army to fight the bad guys when they came. And he had a welfare system. He had a treasury uh, one of the words they translate into treasury is Corbin. Sometimes they translate it into treasury. Sometimes they just write down Corbin. But what Corbin means in Hebrew is sacrifice. And it is specifically translated free will offering in the Old Testament. At times. They don't always translate it the same. And the fact is, is you can take words like Corbin, add a little letter, or take away a little letter, and it slightly changes the meaning. And we talk about that and show you how that works. And and there's no end to showing you about all these things. But we just trying to help you along so you understand what the altars were, what the red heifer was, what religion was, what free, why they were free will offerings. See, they weren't free will offerings in Egypt. You had to pay the government in Egypt. But in Israel, before there were kings, it was free will offerings because they were operating according to the perfect law of liberty. Your choice. Now, you can choose to give 10%. That was only 10%. And it could be more than 10%. It wasn't actually a percentage. It's your share. You've got to remember all the families are gathered in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So, whatever you give, that's considered a tenth because you're one-tenth of the congregation. Uh, now, if you're wealthy and pulling down 200000 300000 a year and you give one-tenth, that's a, that's a big chunk. But if you're poor and you're only making about $26,000 a year or $18,000 a year and you've got a couple of kids you're trying to feed, you may not give a full 10% of what you produce and you're certainly not going to give as much as the wealthy guy. But that's your tithe, just the same. 
It's the, it's equal. As a matter of fact, it may, if you gave 10% and the wealthy man gave 10%, you might, your 10%, which is far less actual dollars or money or gifts or whatever it is that you give, might be counted by God as more than what the rich man gave. Jesus has a whole parable about that. But that's about, you're not just giving so you can build a bigger church or, you know, put stained glass windows in a building. It's to be the daily ministration of the people. The social welfare benefits through charity of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's a pure republic. Practicing pure religion. And your public religion is through a system of righteous welfare. The public religion through the system of government is the unrighteous welfare. The the rewards of unrighteousness because they're based on force. It's that simple. So, before we use up all our time, I don't have two hours like I did this morning. Basically, Dave needs to understand that the church is the bride of Christ. When the church started to become married to the state and of, depending on the grace of the state and the benefits of the state and sent the people to the state to obtain benefits instead of, you know, benefits based on force rather than free will offerings, they were beginning to make the word of God to none effect. They weren't the church anymore. Not the church established by Jesus Christ. There was something else calling themselves the church, but they didn't really know Christ. They were abandoning Christ. They they are adulterers, harlots, abandoning Christ. Now, we're using some metaphors here, because this is all on an individual basis. Individually, if you repent, change your thinking back to living by faith, hope, and charity instead of the covetous practices of the world, you can become the church again. But again, the church is the called out ministers, and the congregations of the people are a part of the kingdom. And remember originally in Israel that there were no kings in Israel because each man did what was right in his own eyes. And like I say, that works really good. If your eyes are seen clearly, if your eyes are not seen clearly, it can be a disaster. So if real Christians get together and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, at least moving in that direction because Jesus said to seek, persevere, strive. So it's a process, but you better get going because things are changing rapidly then your ministers should not be of the world, and we'll show you how to do that, but we don't have time in this recording. So I have uh, a little table on the page about the modern church. I have a lot of other stuff I didn't even go through. What the early church was doing, we have an article on that, and uh, why Christians were persecuted, uh, the Roman Empire, uh, which is the imperial cult of Rome. What, What was a cult? Cult is you, you, you join something and then your stuff now belongs to the cult. They can, they can, uh, you can't get out of the cult. You're, you're in bondage in the cult. They won't let you get out and you owe your loyalty to it. You know, 
basically it's what you got. <laughs> you're, you're back in the imperial cult of Rome. You, even if you move to another country, the government will, your obligations to the United States government will follow you. You go make money in another country, you still owe your income tax. As a matter of fact, I mean, you cannot expatriate if you want to go to another country and make all your money in that other country. A lot of people have done this. But they can follow you for 10 years to collect that tax. Now, will they do it? I don't know. You know, it has to be worth their while. If you don't make much money, they'll probably leave you alone. <laughs> if, you, if you make a lot of money in another country, you still got to, because you're a surety for the debt. You belong to them. And so the bridegroom and the bride, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The church has to belong to Jesus Christ. I'll show you court cases that go way back before the 1947 case that he mentions that say, yeah, state has no authority over the church because the church existed long before the state. And some of the cases only go back to Constantine, but there are some that talk about going all the way back to Christ. When I was in Washington, D.C., talking to lawyers who appear in front of the Supreme Court all the time, who are actually fighting for the freedom of Americans, and I gave them the free church report, they were blown away. They they stopped, and they had other lawyers come and look at this and read this. But it's time, guys, to repent. Start doing what Christ said to do. But anyway, so talk about primitive uh, Christians and, and a lot of other links on that page. But down at this little table where I compare the modern Christian church versus the early Christian church. The modern Christians practice a redefined religion. Religion now is defined as what you think about God. 200 years ago, Religion was defined as your pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man, which is to take care of your fellow man and help him out through charity, etc., etc. Pure religion is to do that unspotted by the world. Now, that's going to take a little overtime before you get to that point, but that's where you're supposed to be headed. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And if you were doing that for the last 50 years, you wouldn't be having so much trouble with a totalitarian ever-controlling government. Modern Christians depend on civil administers who call themselves benefactors but compel the contributions of the people. The early Christians depended on ministers of charity operating in a network of tens through that perfect law of liberty. Modern Christians depend on men who exercise authority for their welfare entitlements. That's that's where they get, they have entitlements. They don't live by hope. They live by entitlements. And they get those entitlements by forcing the contributions of others, which of course makes the word of God to none effect, which is what the Corbin of the Pharisees were doing. And we have whole articles that take you through that step by step. Early Christians provided another type of social welfare through charity and hope. You helped out others and hoped that they would be there to help out you. This was more easily facilitated if you do what Christ commanded, which was to sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands, which is how the early church was organized until Constantine came along and started his own church. 
which a lot of people have rebelled against now, but they haven't quite conformed to Christ. So the modern Christian seeks the benefits that are provided by the world. The early Christians only receive benefits that are unspotted by the world. Again, the world is, we have links there, it'll take you to our article to show you that that word means constitutional order and system of government. And Jesus' kingdom, why did Jesus say, my kingdom's not of this world? What word did he use there? Did he say, my kingdom's not of this planet? He's, there he is, he's taking the kingdom away from the Pharisees, he's appointing it to the apostles, his little flock, to serve the people without exercising authority in a free government of, for, and by the people. He was just telling Pontius Pilate, you ain't got no jurisdiction. <laughs> Pilate was amazed and washed his hands of the case. We explain this in a lot of detail. We show you, you know, exactly what kind of office that uh, Pontius Pilate held at the time, how the courts in Rome worked at the time. We don't go into extreme detail. I could, but we show you enough that you realize that what Jesus was saying you haven't got any jurisdiction to try me. He agreed, washed his hands of the case. Later on, is defending Jesus Christ. Ethan Orthodox treat uh, Pilate and his wife as saints because they became Christians and went out and started churches. Yet most modern Christians don't know about that. The Greek Orthodox all know that. Now, is that true? It, it appears to be. We're looking back a long ways. My faith isn't hung on that fact, but that fact should give you pause to think about what... I mean, you see Pilate defending Jesus as your king. He didn't think that they would crucify Jesus. He thought they were going to crucify Jesus Barabbas. That's what Barabbas claimed his name was, Jesus Barabbas, Jesus of the Father. He was a zealot who had sworn to kill the Pharisees. But Jesus did something worse than killing them. He fired the money changers. Only the king could fire the money changers. Jesus fired the money changers. And we explain that. You go look at our article on money changers. The modern Christians eat at the table of kings of the world. And the fathers of the earth. Now that word fathers of the earth. We have a link to an article on fathers. Why did Jesus say call no man on earth father? If you were standing there in front of Jesus at the time of Jesus' ministry in Judea. And he said call no man on earth father. You'd know exactly who he was talking about. There would be no question in your mind. Who he was talking about. Because you would know. Because that was the law at the time. Who was the father of Judea at that time? Who was the father of the Roman Empire at that time? The word in the Greek and the word in the Latin is the same word. Patri. Father. Who was the Patri of Rome? They called him the Patronus. That's just in a different syntax. But Patronus can be... In, a, in the ablative could be patri. That's what Caesar was called, Patronus. Why? Because he was the sugar daddy handing out all the free bread from those temples, those government buildings. That's what temples are, government buildings. Your temple 
is the Social Security office, the welfare office, the public schools, uh, the treasury that mints your coins and prints your money. That's your temples because that's what they were doing in those temples back then. And we explain this in greater detail. If you've never heard it, it don't mean it's not true. It just means you never heard it. Now you can go and study at these websites that we create for free. <laughs> so you can go and find out for yourself. And if you want to debate me, I'll invite you on the program and you can debate me. Early Christians set up the tables of the Lord with charity and hope, loving one another in a network in kingdom of love and charity. That's what the same word for love is the same word for charity. There's a, there's like five, five links to articles that explain what those words mean at that time. Modern Christians think that they are children of God because they say they love Christ. Early Christians were the brethren of Christ because they were doers of the will of the Father. That's what Jesus says. Do the will of the Father. <laughs> That's what he's talking about, Matthew 7.21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven, that's the way it works. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) so modern Christians think that they are forgiven because they say they believe in God. Say they love Christ. Early Christians knew that Jesus died, that they might be forgiven. That's what it says, might be forgiven. That they are only forgiven when they forgive others. Now, people say, oh no, that's not right. Okay, Matthew six fourteen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your, fa- your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, not your Father in Rome or in Washington, D.C., but your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Matthew 18.35 So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your heart forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. You have to forgive everyone of your brothers their their trespasses. Mark 11.25 And when he ye stand praying forgive if ye have aught against any that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. If you do not forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. Actually, I don't think I have that quote in there, is it? <laughs> it's, uh, I, need, I need to add that. I should add that in there. Uh, that's That's what Jesus said. So, I mean, go figure. Uh, modern Christians think that they do not need to do anything like Abraham, Moses, and others, but claim they have faith because of what they say they believe. Early Christians knew they had to strive. Why? Because Jesus said strive. They said, how do you get in? He says strive to do the will of the Father. If they truly believed. If you're not striving to do the will of the Father. Is it the will of the Father that you hire men to take away from your neighbors so that you can have free benefits? Is it the will of the Father that you all have one purse and exercise authority one over the other and have somebody redivide that purse like they do in socialist states? You know, redistribute the wealth. 
There is wealth redistribution in the kingdom of God. You get to decide. Each of you individually get to decide how you will redistribute your wealth and you will be blessed accordingly. That's that. So that in that way, that's socialism. But you're the king. You get to make the choice. In the socialism states of the world, you have somebody who exercises authority and he redistributes your wealth. And that's what you're doing with public school and social security and welfare and all these other things. And I mean, I could go down a big long list of other things that get outside of the Corbin of Americans. Because the Corbin of Americans is making the word of God to not effect. And that's why you're suffering tyranny. Polybius said it. Plutarch said it. All kinds of guys. Juveniles said it. It's just the way it goes. And if you'd studied history, you'd know this. But Peter said it. You'll be made merchandise with your covetous practice. You'll curse your children with trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. That's what he says. To covetous practice, you're going to curse your children. You've done that already. You returned to the bondage of Egypt. Because you haven't been doing things the way Christ said. And the church in its most general sense, may include the congregation, but according to the appointment, the church is these ministers who meet the qualifications of Christ and do what Christ said to do. If they're not doing what Christ said to do, they're not followers of Christ. They're saying they follow Christ, but they're not. You don't know by what they say. You know by what they do. James said that. Paul really said that. Jesus certainly said that. So modern Christians make men of the earth their father, despite what Jesus said by praying to men who exercise authority to obtain benefits at the expense of others through what could be called public religion. All these are links to articles that explain what public religion was, why the early Christians were persecuted. Early Christians did not call any man on earth their father. They didn't apply to them for benefits. They had a system of private welfare through those ministers appointed by Christ and then those ministers appointed other ministers who met the qualifications of Christ to do what Christ said to do, which is to provide a daily ministration to tens, hundreds, and thousands. And the fact is, is if you organized yourself in that way now, you would be better prepared for what's coming. What's coming isn't going to be thwarted by rebellion and and violence. It's going to be thwarted by the righteousness of God. The Israelites did not destroy Pharaoh. The Pharaoh let them go. Uh, Moses called out, eventually called out the Levites. But... uh, they already had ministers, but he called out the Levites, put extra restrictions on them, and they had a job to do. Most of what you think, you know, piling up stones and setting sheep on fire, that's not actually what was done. And we have whole books that explain why th- those are metaphors, just like casting your bread upon the waters. You don't actually go out and throw tortillas on the lake or on the river. Those are metaphors. You don't actually have to pile up sheep and and burn them up. The Essenes, who were one of the most popular philanthropic religious organizations and even political organizations at the time of Jesus Christ, said that the sacrifice of the Pharisees, their 
their blood sacrifice of animals, killing sheep and setting them on fire on piles of stone, was they said it was a fiction and a fraud. And they read the same exact Torah that the Pharisees read. They said that the Pharisees had misunderstood the message. How in the world did they, it's so clear, right? Pile of stones set sheep on fire. No, that's not what it says. And we have whole books that explain this in great detail. And I got another book coming out that's going to even tell you more, but I got to get to it. And I need help. Uh, I depend on Christ for help, but you need to start becoming gregarious. Like I said, take farm flock sheep out on the desert, you'll run your legs off trying to get people to organize. But you take sheep out on the desert, have a gregarious sense, like Christians are supposed to have, and my work gets easier. <laughs> and I can come out with these books. But uh, I'm just going to take the time. I'm going to struggle to do it, suffer whatever comes. Uh, because. But if you can't get this simple message, modern Christians think that the communion of the Father who is in heaven is eating a small wafer of bread. But they depend on the fathers of the earth for their daily bread. Early Christians knew that the ritual of the Lord's Supper was just a symbol. The real Eucharist was the thanksgiving which is provided in a daily ministration of the people for the people and by the people. Modern Christians think it is okay to covet benefits provided by men who take from their neighbors by some exercising authority and early Christians knew that that if they did that 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 they could not inherit the kingdom because that was a covetous practice and there's well boy about 15 more t- places where I I show the the difference between the two but we're out of time if coach wants to come on the show I'll bring him on the show but uh, I'd love to have more conversations with him because I think his heart's in the right place But he's got some misinformation that we need to clear up. And until then, all I can do is say peace on your house and may God be with you. (laughs) And so the rest of you can can get connected with them and get connected on preparingyou.com on the network and start seeking the kingdom in earnest. And uh, until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.